You know what? I learned something, or at least I was reminded of something this, this vacation. Babies don't know. Can you say that with me? Babies don't know. Yeah, they don't know what's good for them, and they don't know what's bad for them. While we were in Colorado over the last few weeks, we spent a lot of time with our grandson, Elijah. Plus, we had our puppy, Brody, with us. And uh, <laughs> so we were having to watch them very carefully at my in-law's house. Um, they could put anything in their mouth and eat it. And we caught both of them doing that, sometimes together. But anyway, um, it depends if it was dog food. But anyway, <laughs> they can go anywhere. Elijah is almost ready to walk. So he stands himself up on the kitchen cabinets and opens up all the doors as he goes around. Um, they can do anything. You just don't expect it. And so, you know, babies can get hurt very easily. We know that. Why? Because they don't know any better. Babies don't know. I bet if you were to look back on the bad decisions that you've made in your life, in your past, I bet you would see immaturity in yourself. It's true. I mean, tell your neighbor, you've made some bad decisions in the past. Go ahead, just tell them. You've made some bad decisions in the past. It's true, isn't it? It's very true. We all know that. And I, get, I guarantee there are some ideas, there are some thoughts coming to our head of those bad decisions that we made. Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. But anyway, um, in our immaturity, I'll just go right on through that one, right? In our immaturity, we make dumb decisions because in immaturity, we make them based on how we feel. And how many of you know you can't make decisions based on how you feel? I mean, honestly, if you made a decision about whether or not you're going to go to work tomorrow based on how you feel, how many of us would just stay in bed? Now, come on, let's just be honest, right? If you're doing it on how you feel, you're going to stay there, okay? We, we, can't, we can't make it. It's a terrible way to make decisions. Mature people make decisions based on truth, not feelings. We often make bad decisions because we don't know what to do. Um, we, you know, do this or do that. I, I, I don't know. Is this right or is this wrong? I, I don't know. We, we, we don't know. How can you make good decisions? Well, I've got an answer. We need to grow up. Tell your neighbor that. You need to grow up. Okay? If you grow up, if you mature, you will begin to make better decisions. You will begin to make good decisions. Then you will know the difference between Good and bad, the things that are good for you, the things that will hurt you. When, when we grow up, we'll be able to do that. I would say, hang on, this is a big statement, but I would say most of the problems in our lives come from immaturity. I believe that. Much of the hurt that we've faced, much of the heartache that we've felt, most of the wrong paths that we've taken, the wrong relationships we've got involved in, the wrong choices we've made, most of the problems in our lives come from immaturity. And as a pastor, I've seen so much of this. I mean, I, so many times a man or a woman begins to make a decision and live a life in, in immaturity, and soon and very soon things just begin crashing in on them because choices are bad, because decisions are terrible, and life becomes so hard and so difficult because of those choices, because of those decisions, because of that immaturity. And, and the thing that I believe and the thing that I want you to know today is that God loves you so much that he doesn't want that to happen to you. He doesn't want you to stay the same way that you are. God doesn't want you to stay a baby in diapers. 
He wants you to become a man or a woman of God, to grow up. God wants you to grow up spiritually so that you and I can make wise decisions and good choices and live life to its fullest. Don't you want 2019 to be a better year than 2018? I do. And I know that that comes from the choices and the decisions that I make. The Apostle Paul writes, he challenges us. If you're a Jesus follower in this room, Paul is writing right at us with this. Look at look what he says in Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. God wants you to grow up. He, he wants you to, to mature. That's our focus over the next 40 days. That's why we're starting off 2019, this new year, with this spiritual growth campaign. So let's, let's back up and gain some context about what Paul is talking about. Take a look with me, Ephesians 4. If you've got your Bible or mobile device or you can use the screens, or I'd encourage you, grab the full-page outline that's right in your uh, brochure, just like this one, and follow along with us. A lot of text, so I'm sure that you're going to want to follow along. Let's take a look. Ephesians 4.11. Paul says this. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So I got some questions for you. A little, little quiz here. Who gave these gifts? Help me out. Christ. Okay, that's pretty easy. He gave them to whom? To the church, right? So what did he give? He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, so I want you to see the Apostle Paul is outlining the five leadership ministries of the church. And yes, my job is listed there. My job right here at Pathway Church is listed, pastor, teacher. It's listed there. So Paul tells us these are the church leaders, and then he goes on to tell us in verse 12 what these church leaders do, what they're responsible for. Take a look. Their responsibility is to equip, circle that word, circle that word equip, we're going to come back to it. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. That word that you circled, equip, it's a really interesting Greek word. If you don't know, the New Testament was originally written in Koine Greek and then later translated so that we could have it in English, and I'm glad that it is because Greek is a very difficult language to understand. And um, so this word, is, it refers to a preparing. In, in our way of looking at it, it's a way of bringing into fitness. Now, for us who are, you know, gym people and sports people, we kind of we, we get this. See, my job as pastor teacher is to equip you, to prepare you, to resource you. In a way, I'm your coach. Everybody follow that? I'm your, I'm your trainer. I'm your mentor. I'm your spiritual trainer, your spiritual coach. Now listen, I'm not responsible for how many people come to Pathway Church. I'm not responsible to put on a good program every weekend. I'm not responsible to make sure you're entertained. I'm not responsible to fill this building with people. No, I'm only responsible as pastor teacher, what Paul says, I'm only responsible to make sure you're growing up, that you're maturing. In about a month, Dee Dee and I, is going to, we're going to celebrate 27 years of being your pastors here at Pathway Church. That's a lot of fun. And it's been a great time. February of 1992, I came here as a young punk who thought I knew it all. And I was 
surprised and flabbergasted when I found out that I didn't know at all. If you don't relate to that, okay, I was 26 years old when I came here and I discovered that I had so much to learn and I am still continuing to learn what it means to be a pastor teacher, to, to lead and feed a congregation. I know that my job is to equip you. I know that my job is to resource you, to help train you and coach you along. And I will never be satisfied until I see you grow up spiritually. Um, that's my calling. That's, that's my drive. That's my passion. That's the reason I do what I do. Um, that's why I spend hours each week in study and prep. That's why I prepare so much that the, I take this very, uh, very seriously, this responsibility, this spiritual growth, is, your spiritual growth is too important for me to just wing it. Not too many years ago, I had somebody come to me and they say, you know, you're doing this all wrong. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you're doing this all wrong. You're spending all of these hours preparing a message. You should just skip studying and stuff and just step up on the platform and then God will just give you a message impromptu and you can just share it. And I counter them by saying, no, I want to come in prepared. I believe that God can give me something to say, guess what? In Grand Junction, Colorado, a week and a half ago, that I can share today with you. And so he's been just kind of, um, you know, crockpotting this in my brain and in my heart and my soul so that then I can share it with you and come prepared. I do not want to wing anything. Your maturity, your growth is too important to me to, to play it by ear, to not prepare because I'm your coach. And I've got to come ready to equip you, to resource you. The church is a place where people should be equipped to be taught so they can understand, so they can grow into maturity. A lot of times people think that the pastor and staff are to do everything at the church, but that's not what Paul says. I mean, look back at it again. Their responsibility, whose responsibility? The leaders of the church, their responsibility is to equip who? God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Building the church, that's your responsibility. Wow. The church isn't supposed to be filled with spectators. We as followers of Jesus, we all have a job to do. We, we should come in as partners and say we will partner together and build our church and do God's work. Problem is, so many of us aren't doing anything. We just watch. And we're spectators. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy for Pathway Church because we miss out on your giftings and your talents and your abilities. But it's not healthy for you. You are missing out on being used by God. It is the purpose of Pathway Church to help you grow up. And I believe that one of the ways you do that is by being a partner with us. And we see this in the first century church. I mean, take a look at this. Just get the picture. Jesus has left planet Earth. He's left the apostles in charge of the church. And the church begins to grow exponentially. And they don't know what to do. It's just growing so fast. Take a look at Acts 6. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. If you don't know, 
Food was scarce in that time, and so the church was really helping out and was serving people food and getting food to the people that needed it, especially widows, because in that day and age, if you were a widow, you had no one to take care of you. There was no welfare. There was no social security check that you could count on. There was nothing. You had no household. So you were destitute. And so the church was reaching out to the widows and providing food to the widows. And in this particular time, the church was made up of two different groups. Those who were Hebrew-speaking and those who were Greek-speaking. The church was kind of merging into one. And guess what? Some thought that the others were getting more food than their widows were. Sound familiar? Anytime you have a group of people, you're going to have somebody who's going to complain about something, right? Am I right in that? And that's what was going on. They're getting more food than we are. And so take a look at what happened. So the 12, who are the 12? That's the 12 disciples, 12 apostles that Jesus, you know, spent time with. They called a meeting. Does that sound like a church? <laughs> Let's call a meeting. We'll fix it. They called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it says, and so select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. You could almost put in there, and patience, right? We will give them this responsibility. Basically, people are complaining. We don't want to deal with the complaint. We need someone else to deal with the complaint. So we need guys that are full of the spirit and patience and wisdom to handle this. And look what it says. Everyone liked this idea. And so they chose the following. Stephen, Philip, of course, the Connor. Uh, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And you know what happened after that? I didn't have it on here, but you can read it on your own. It says the church continued to multiply. The problem was solved. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. You know, there's not a week that goes by where someone doesn't come to me and say, you know, pastor, at our church... We need this. We need this kind of ministry. We need this to take place. Maybe somebody should do this. Just a word of warning. My response has always been and will always be, maybe that person is you. Because usually when you get a burden for something, God may be tapping you on the shoulder See, I've learned something. You can help people. It doesn't just take me. In fact, tell the person next to you, would you just tell them you can help somebody? Would you tell them that? You can. I really believe you can help them just as much as I can help them. Here, hang on. You can pray for somebody. I've had people come to me at our church and say, Pastor Bart, that lady over there, she needs you to pray for her. It's like, can you pray? That's what I want to say. I don't, I'm usually very nice on that. But that's, you can pray for somebody. Did you know that? Did you know that God hears your prayer just as much as he hears mine? Wow. I may, I may have just set somebody free today in that. You can pray as good as I can. In fact, today with my voice, you can pray better than I can pray, right? Did you know you can visit someone in the hospital just like I can? It's true. Did you know you can lead a group 
Did you know you could talk to people on Sundays? Did you know that you can do things in our church just as good as me and probably better? Because, see, I've realized that I have weaknesses and you have strengths. You have strengths where I have weaknesses. And if we were to partner together, we could get the job done. We could reach our community. We could reach our neighborhood. We could reach your friends and family members and coworkers. You and me partnering together. See, that's what church is supposed to be about. In fact, according to Paul, did you know that you are supposed to do the work of the ministry and build up the church? That's not my responsibility. Hmm. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to be equipped to do that, if you're going to be resourced to do that, if you're going to feel prepared to do that, then my job is to help you get equipped, help you feel resourced, help you feel ready and prepared to do that. And so as we work together, it's amazing what can take place. Paul says that my job as pastor is to help you grow up spiritually, and I take that responsibility very seriously. Paul continues, this will continue, if you want to know how long that's going to happen, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, what? Mature in the Lord. Now, what is maturity in the Lord? Paul explains it right here. Here's a comma, and he says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. See, God is not satisfied with just people going to church. He's not satisfied with just good, respectable people. He wants you to become like Jesus. We see that. Romans 8, 29 in the message says, God decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the lines of the life of his son. And so my question to you is, are you like Jesus yet? Because I'm not. And I would doubt that any of us are. If, if we were to compare ourselves, our lives, the way we think, our attitudes, our habits, all of that, to the way Jesus lived, to the way Jesus thought, to the way that Jesus had attitudes. We, I mean, just, just taking one area for me, the area of compassion. I am weak in compassion. And all my family members are laughing right now. I just saw that, right? I am weak in compassion, Okay. I'm weak in patience. Anybody else like me in that? I just, sometimes I just, just drive the car. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we had a lot of that on the road. Why, why do you merge onto the freeway at 30 miles an hour? Come on, you know. Okay, I'm just, that's me. And when I look at that and I think of how Jesus had compassion and patience, man, I got a long way to go. I bet you could probably look at things in Jesus' life and say, yeah, me too. I, I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to develop. See, the thing that we can't misunderstand here is God is not expecting, he's not demanding perfection from us. He never does. He, he, if he demanded perfection, we are all done. Why are we even here? Right? Right? Come on, do you agree with me on that? 
If, if God is, is saying you've got to be perfect to make it to heaven, you've got to be perfect to follow Jesus, you've got to be perfect to go to church, then what in the world are we doing here? Let's go have lunch. Because we're wasting our time. None of us are perfect. God is not asking for perfection. He's asking us to grow up. He's asking us to become as much like Jesus as we can. That's what God wants for us. Paul finishes off Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be what? Immature like children. That's our verse. We'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Here's the big word, growing. Say that with me. Growing in every way, more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. I think that's the best definition of spiritual growth. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. That's spiritual growth. And this is the heart of Pathway Church. This is the reason we do what we do. This is why we're stepping into this 40-day focus to help you become like Jesus. I got to tell you, I get excited about some of you. I, I watch you. Yes, I watch you. It's my job, right? As a coach, I'm supposed to observe and see how you're changing, how you're growing. And I get excited by some of you because I see God working in you I see God working on you, in your life, on your life. I see God developing you and, and growing you. I can see you maturing in your relationship with Jesus, your, your relationship with the church and getting involved here. I see changes taking place in your life. And it's exciting as a coach, as a, as a spiritual trainer to see that take place. It's like, yes, it's working. But for some of us, listen to me. Year after year after year passes by and you don't grow. And it's, it's like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything Stronger, another writer says, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see this another year pass by and you still stay a spiritual baby. I want to get you out of diapers I almost brought diapers to give away today because I was thinking what a great illustration that would be. I want, I want to get you out of diapers spiritually. That's, that's why we're starting off this 2019 spiritual growth focus so that you will develop and grow up and mature. You know, God uses a lot of things to grow us. Have you noticed this? There's so many different things. I mean, you know, to bring you into maturity. For example, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to cause growth in our lives. Look at Galatians 5. Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Okay, now what I want you to do, I want you to grab your outline because I want you to circle the one that you need to grow in the most. 
This is, this is your honor. You're not going to have to turn this in. This is not a page to turn in. This is just for you. Okay, I'm going to read them. And, I, and when, we, when we go across them, I, I want you to think, ooh, I'm really weak in that one. I want you to circle that. Not, don't, don't lie and circle you know, the, 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 you know, the one that you're great in. Oh, I'm great in this one. So I, this is the one I'm going to brag about. No, I want you to circle the one that you need to grow in this year. Take a look. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not going to ask for a show of hands here, but I wonder how many of us circled more than like four. Because <laughs> I circled five when I did this. <laughs> yep. So, so the Holy Spirit brings growth. God also uses tough experiences in our lives to bring growth. Ask me sometime how God used my dad's death when I was 32 years old to bring growth in my life. The Apostle James writes this, my brothers and sisters, be very happy when you are tested in different ways. You know that such testing of your faith produces endurance. Endure until your testing is over. Then you will be what? Mature and complete. Don't miss this. Then you will be mature and complete and you won't need anything. Wow. So, so God uses the Holy Spirit to cause growth in our life. God uses tough times, trials, um, you know, tough situations to grow us. But the thing that I have found predominantly, I want you to write this down, predominantly I grow when I develop spiritual habits in my life. I grow when I develop spiritual habits in my life. And I cannot overestimate the importance of developing habits in our life. We develop habits in our life that help us grow. And any coach, any trainer wants the person they are training, they are coaching to develop habits. And that's what I want for you. And so over the next 40 days, we're going to be focusing on three specific spiritual habits. I want you to write these down. We're going to focus on the Bible which is the, the habit of reading and studying what God says. We're going to focus on prayer, which is talking to and listening to God. And we're going to focus on groups, which is getting together with Jesus' followers. Now, that is small groups and large groups. This is our large group here at Pathway Church. This is our Sunday service, our worship together experience. And so this is our large group. But the small group experience is key to this study, key to this next 40 days in your life. I'm telling you right now, listen to me. You will not get 50% of what you need to get out of this spiritual growth focus if you are not in a small group. At least 50%. Because there's an element of discussion that needs to take place for you and I to develop these habits in our life and really to know we're gonna be talking about prayer to really understand and talk through. Because you know what I found? I found out that you have questions like I have questions. I have found out that it, it, when I'm in groups, I've found out that it's okay to have questions about stuff. I've been in groups with Tony. I'm gonna pick on you, Tony. I've been in groups with Tony several different times. And you know the thing I like about Tony is Tony will bring out something in the study and I'll sit there and go, wow. I never really thought about that. I never, I never really looked at it at that angle. And, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Tony, you're right. And then there are other times where Tony will say something and I'm like, Psh, 
Where did he get that? That's not true. And, they'll, and I'll disagree with Tony. That's all right. You know what? That's part of a group. That, that's, how we, that's how we develop each other. I like to believe, I come from a carpentry background, okay? So, so listen here. I like to believe that we are the spiritual sandpaper in each other's lives. And sometimes there are some rough spots that need to be sanded off. That's my sanding noise, okay? That, that need to be sanded off. You know, Tony's got them. I've got them. Brooks got them. I know Brooks got them, okay? They, they just need to be sanded off. And guess who does the sanding? The Holy Spirit works through you to do that. In a group setting, not in this large group because we can't discuss, but in a small group setting, we have an opportunity to discuss things, to, to ask questions, to learn together, to pray together, to cry together, to grow together. You don't get any other. You say, man, you're really pushing small groups. I am. If you are not involved, if you have not signed up for a small group, you are missing out on the thing that could change your life in 2019 right here at Pathway Church. Get signed up. There's going to be somebody at the back table back there today. Get signed up. You say, well, there's only one group left. Doesn't matter. We'll open up as many groups as we need to open up um, in order to, to help us get growing together. So get signed up. If you are not signed up tomorrow, I'm coming after you. This is why. Right here. This next passage, I came across this next passage um, like, let's see, it was last Thursday, okay? I came across this passage and I'm like, oh man, this is, this is how I feel. This is why I do what I do. Take a look. Paul writes, I identify with what Paul writes here so much. I became a servant of the church because God gave me a special work to do that helps you. So I continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to teach in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. To do this, I work and struggle using Christ's great strength that works so powerfully in me. If I could take the liberty to rewrite this, this is how it would read. I became a servant of the church to preach to each of you in order to bring each of you into God's presence as a mature woman or man of Christ. That's my passion. That's why I do what I do every week to, to see you become more like Jesus in your life and in your attitude and your habits. That's why we're doing this this series over the next six weeks. I hope that you begin to read your Bible and pray every day. I hope that you sign up for a small group. I'm coming after you if you don't. I'm telling you right now. I hope you commit to be here for worship together for the next six weeks together. If you do, listen, I promise, if you do this, Bible, prayer, large groups, small groups, if you do this for the next six weeks, your life will change. I'm telling you, it's a proven fact. If you can get something going for that period of time in your life, it becomes a habit and your life will change. You will become more and more like Jesus. So here's the deal. Let's 
see how we can grow over the next 40 days. You with me? Let's pray.